have we had this conversation about people assuming things based on your job? I don't believe so. What do they assume about you based on your job? That I am good with money and <laughs> that I'm, I'm a sorry, teller. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you were a teller at one point, right? No. Oh, I thought you I thought that was your, your entry level and you graduated out of that real quick. No, my entry level was a temp in HR. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. And then they created a temporary, like, actual position for a year in HR. So I kept doing that job. And then I moved over to information management, like, a year later. Yeah. People find out I work at a bank, and then they're just like, oh, well, he's good with money. He can handle the check. (laughs) Or, like, have you ever been robbed? (laughs) Don't look at my credit card history. (laughs) Have you ever been robbed? And I'm like... I mean, not me personally. <laughs> What's it like when a robber comes in? I'm like, well, I've never been there. <laughs> yeah. Has the bank ever know. been robbed since you were there? Like, I feel, uh, I feel like that's probably such an overwhelmingly rare event. I mean, yes, it has been robbed while I was an employee at the bank. Oh, wow. Okay. But. I've also worked there for 15 years. Right. And of those 15 years, one of the up to 15 branches has been robbed <laughs> a total of two times. It's just like it, it on the bank robberies fascinate me. It's <laughs> yeah. It's, the amount of like security and checks and balances that are involved with actual money is right it it makes more sense to go robbing mom and pop shop absolutely yeah like just any any business taking money out of the register is going to be like a greater return on effort but you just you're like well that's where the money is they're going to take me into the vault (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna do some real oceans 11 shit right and like Branch a give a random branch in mm-hmm. total is mm-hmm. not going to have more than like a few thousand dollars on hand. No, like go to and, go and to yeah. like the Nike store on Black Friday and you're fine. You're gonna have way <laughs> more takeaway <laughs> on that day than you will on any day at a branch. That's fascinating. I wonder what people would assume about me as a technical writer probably nothing because nobody knows what a technical writer is well so if i were to like make an assumption about someone who's a technical writer i would think that they are the people that take the time to go and write reviews on like yelp and shit oh interesting (laughs) because it's just like Oh, I should go write something. (laughs) (laughs) I've given a total, I think, of like one Yelp review ever in my life. And it was, I went to this uh, music, like, kind of like a music festival, but it was, you know, punk music, hardcore bands, stuff like that in L.A. about 10 years ago. It's called FYF, Fuck Yeah Fest. And, you know... Dirty, smelly punk rocker going with friends. We didn't want to pay any more than we needed to for a place to stay. So we went 
and we searched for the cheapest possible motel that we could possibly find. And so we're staying in like, you know, South Central LA and there's like, you know, barbed wire, uh, like a, 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 a wall topped with barbed wire around the entire thing. And like all, and, but we had a very pleasant stay. I mean, okay. All the Yelp reviews on there were like complaining about the other, you know, guests, how they were loud and, you know, black and stuff like that, basically. And I'm just like playing their hood music. Right. Exactly. I'm their like people's music. Exactly. I'm like, mind your fucking business. Like you, if you stayed here, you, you chose this place because it was the cheapest place you could possibly find. And right. for the, and for the privilege of that, you got four walls, a bed and a shower that works like mission fucking accomplished. Great job. People. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, check us out. Five stars. Five, four walls. <laughs> four walls, a bed, a door that closes and locks, a shower that works and even gets hot. You've gone above and beyond for what I expect for the cheapest motel I could possibly find. Mm. Five fucking stars. Not everybody saw it that way. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I made it a point to write reviews for most Airbnbs I stay in. Well, that's the, you, there's a whole like, you know, like mandatory review process. You have to have feedback in order to, you know, keep staying in places. And so, yeah, I, I do that too. Yeah. It's like eBay, you know, I'll write for eBay, it, like, you know, a plus mm-hmm. plus seller, five stars would do again, copy paste every single one. So every <laughs> single eBay review that's ever been written. Yeah. But yeah. like, it's just going out of my, it's funny because in my head, Yelp is useless. Whoa, yeah. But companies do care about yes. their Yelp reviews. But that is true. But I also feel like they only care when it is a critical review. Yeah. And so like it's it's almost as if like Yelp reviews are an excuse to reprimand or fire an associate. <sighs> it's so true. Yeah. But like Joe Blow consumer. Mm-hmm. I.e. Will Freeland in Santa Barbara, California, couldn't mm-hmm. care less about Yelp reviews. And it throws me off when I'm like hanging out with people and they're like, well, let me <laughs> check Yelp. Yeah. We're like trying to figure out where to go eat. And they're like, well, let's see what Yelp says. I'm like, why? Yeah, for real? Yeah. Why do you care what Yelp says? Let's just, <laughs> let's just fucking walk downtown I, I and feel see the, what we see. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. I mean, this was, this is why, you know, one of the, besides, you know, you being my best friend in the entire world and like treasuring your presence always, like one of the things I really enjoyed about when you came to hang out in New York, you're not like, oh, I have to go to these 10 restaurants. Or like, oh, this place gets <laughs> yeah. such good review. Or like, oh, I'm hungry. Let's let's get on my fucking phone and right. see what the no. internet tells me fucking to go. There's eat. a pizza joint right there. I'm gonna yes. go get a slice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will turn left to go get a slice, and then we'll get yeah. back to what we're doing. <laughs> I, I trust that there's a modicum of of quality that you need to hit in order to stay in business in New York City. So when I become hungry, I will look to my left. <laughs> And I will look to my right. Whatever I see, <laughs> that is what I will eat. <laughs> and honestly, if there is a 
green B or A on a white piece of paper plastered on their window. (laughs) It's fine with me. (laughs) I don't know when it was actually printed. I don't know if it's real. (laughs) But but it's good enough for me. I will go in. Before the pandemic, Rachel and I, uh, in an effort to meet people in the city, we joined a ski ball league. (laughs) Yeah, just real random thing to do. Super um, random. It was a good time, but to pass the time before matches, we would, it, it was in a bar, but we would hang out in a different bar as to not be too like awkward about it. And it was just like a, a little more, you know, pleasant place to just like spend time rather than, you know, uh, it, it was a bar you can sit and read a book in rather than a bar that's like ah. dark and, and loud, you know, a dive. Yeah. You know, I love me some dives, but absolutely. Yeah. But this place was also a Boston sports bar. So, you know, it wasn't good for that when there were, or it wasn't like a sports bar, sports bar, but it was like, Hey, we, we represent the Boston teams, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they had their, their B rating for, for the health inspection. And then they turned that into a Boston, like a a Red Sox logo. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you've really committed to the bit here. (laughs) Right. What happens if they clean up their act? (laughs) Health rating B for Boston. Oh God. Yeah. if, If it dropped to a C, would they have to be a Chicago bar? Right. Well, I was thinking like, yeah. if they got if they cleaned up their act and they got an A, then I yeah. feel like they'd have to put Boston comma M A Massachusetts. I see what you did there. Ah, ah. Should we get oh, started man. with the podcast? Yeah. Should we? Should we? Should we intro? here with Will Freeland, and we are here to talk about the things we're hyped on, aka comic books as always. Will, what did you read this week? I read four books, and none of them are, like, mind-blowing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'm sad, but it is what it is. Yeah. I read what I believe is the finale to Savage Avengers, Volume 5. <laughs> Okay, that one um, never really st- struck you, if I recall right, correctly. I don't want to just yeah. straight up say it sucked. Okay. But I never cared about Cool and Gath, the like, oh, the whole Korean age sorcerer yeah, supreme yeah. guy. And this is the end of that story. So thank you. Okay. I read Darkhold, which did not go in the way that I thought it would. Interesting. Like it's seven issues. Huh. When I tell you that there are two issues of story here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <sighs> yeah, okay. okay. And <laughs> the next book of Dan Slot's run of Fantastic Four. Okay. Eternal Flame. So it's you know dealing with human torch slept with Victorious. Right. Doom got pissed, and so he turned his power on and only on <laughs> flame on and never off yes yes so yeah dealing with that okay and then i read this one shot of kazar lord of the savage land huh okay interesting 
to, to give them a title right now. Yeah, it didn't need to happen. And the other thing is, the last time we saw Kazar, he had the time knife jumping through time <laughs> for the Avengers. And he fought Galactus, and Galactus turned him into a herald. So this is not that. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know when, the, like, this takes place after Empire. Okay. Because that was the last time before that Avengers run. That was the last time we saw him on page was okay. he had an arc in Empire Avengers in a side story. Okay. And yeah, so Kazar. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I will say in his defense, this is the most Kazar I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get much. <laughs> I don't know if he has... If he's had a title, I, I'm pretty sure he's had yeah, titles he's, back he, in the like 80s. In the in yeah, old. 70s and 80s, yeah. Yeah, but uh nothing recent. So at least there's that. <sighs> okay. Okay. And that's and that's that's, that's it for you. I, I only got through to just a, a little mini arc on uncanny and adjectiveless X-Men. I didn't get to Magneto Rex this week, unfortunately. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That's what next episode is for. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so kind of a bummer that it's slowing down so much, but again, just travel and everything for me. Yeah. 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 I, I, I got to see Nips though. I was out. That's right. You got to see our yeah. editor. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Bay for a friend's wedding. You know, I get down on myself a lot sometimes for like, Oh, I'm not like writing. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing any organizing these days. Like, what what am I what is my life all about? But like I just gave, you know, a toast at a friend's wedding for the fourth time. Four people have have uh found me, you know, worth worth having speak at their weddings at, at, at a very important day for them. So that's that's something to really be proud of. You know what? That's hmm. true. Yeah. Like if you don't like I've only given three best speeches. I say best because it was two as a best man and one as a man of honor. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you got me beat on that one, man. <laughs> I'm not including, you know, officiating weddings. Right. Me neither. That's another thing that I get to be yep. a part of. But yep. Same. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, I feel like when you officiate a wedding, it's more of a formal situation. Whereas, mm -hmm. Well, being asked <laughs> to speak that is that's more of the the like heart you get some spirit right there yeah the, yeah yeah of the situation and that's awesome yeah i mean i was one of what 15 speakers at this wedding so it was a it was a packed lineup but uh okay <laughs> yeah it was a good time and then got to stay with our friend nathaniel got to hang out with our friend and editor editor nipuna and get some uh he made some bomb ass food, some pineapple fried rice and uh, stir fried veggies for us. It was it was a really, really, really good weekend. That's cool. Yeah. So that's what I was doing instead of reading comic books. For shame. <laughs> oh, is that all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So over the next like two weeks, ideally, we're gonna be pretty pod focused. Yeah. We've got a lot of content to to get into the bag before your vacation. And the, yeah, this time it is my fault. <laughs> I will How be dare. traveling internationally for 
two weeks and I will be on a, on a boat and I will not be able to record <laughs> anything. <laughs> It'll set me up for content for quite some time. Tell you what. <laughs> oh man. Okay. okay. Should we talk about our things? Let us do it. Get us started. I'm going to do Savage Avengers first. It's the first do one Savage I read Avengers. Anyway. Let's, let's get so, this out. Yeah. If you look at the spine of the books that I get, it's always like in bold, the name of the series. And then mm-hmm. in unbold, it's the name of the storyline, right? Sure. So if you look at it on the side, it's Savage Avengers, the defilement of all things. If you look at the front, you see that it's actually a two lines worth of text of an actual storyline. That's a, this is a copywriter after my own heart with all the <laughs> long ass titles that I give these episodes. Savage Avengers, the defilement of all things by the cannibal sorcerer Kulan Gath. Okay, so this is like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... What has happened leading up to this? Conan and Kulin Gath have shot forward in time from the Hyborian Age of Earth that totally existed. Yes. And Kulin Gath is a sorcerer who is also a cannibal, and that's how he learns his magic. Gross. By eating things. <laughs> <laughs> eating other sorcerers. He wanted to become Sorcerer Supreme, the Ancient One of the Time or whatever, turned him away. In which he responded, fine, I'll be back. And he came back after eating other sorcerers. And then he ate the Sorcerer Supreme. He became the Sorcerer Supreme of the time. Timey-wimey stuff happened. And then Uh he showed up in present day in the Savage Land. And then just as the Avengers came together and the new Avengers came together, the Savage Avengers came together because they all happened to be at or around the Savage Land when Kulin Gath was enacting his thing. Savage Avengers is primarily called Savage Avengers because Conan the Barbarian is a savage right. man. <laughs> also, Savage Land. Yes. Anyway, notable members of the Savage Avengers have been Wolverine, yeah. Doctor Strange, Conan, Black Knight, technically Juggernaut, Magic, Spider-Man at one point, just gotta get those readership numbers up. Yeah. A real rogues gallery of people. Sure. Kulin Gath also. Oh, this is also this the title where Electra and Doctor Strange hooked up. Oh, right. Okay. So you know, yeah, we've got a real a winner point. here. Yeah. Total winner. Kulin Gath has currently an insane amount of power, and we find out through the stories that his power is coming from Shumagorath. Who okay. is an elder god that is not owned by Marvel, so that's why Shumagorath is not in <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> right. Shumagorath is elder god, sorcery, magic based, yeah. big giant squid with a giant eye. Yeah, one of the many Cthulhu's of the Marvel universe. Yes, he basically has Shumagorath imprisoned and is like slowly eating him to have all of his power. <laughs> cool. So the book starts with Dr. Strange trying to figure out what's going on. He's been, he 
Kulin Gath has a very specific magic signature. He's tracking the magic. He finds Shumagorath imprisoned. And he's like, okay, well, this isn't good. And Shumagorath is like, are you here to like mock me? And Strange is like, no, I'm trying to help you, guy. (laughs) (laughs) So he kills Shumagorath with a magic sword dagger, wraps it in the crimson bands of Sidorak, to be used later and basically they enter a semi-contract that's like you know i will kill you now in order to enact revenge basically on coolant and gap and it's like huh. okay. sure why not okay <laughs> yeah not a lot honestly like things happen <laughs> people show up yeah yeah uh, they call on both the x-men and the avengers to help fight Shumagor, oh Shumagoth, uh, Cool and Gath. Yeah, time gets involved. <laughs> like there's a reality where Cool and Gath wins, or a timeline, I should say. Sure. And the only notable thing about this timeline where Cool and Gath won is one he bit uh, <laughs> he bit Captain America's shield and tore it apart. <laughs> okay. but, then, yeah. but then also. He has Banner, Bruce Banner, trapped by, in his human form, he has Wolverine's claws wrapped around his neck as a necklace. And oh. so if he hulked out, it would cut off his it head would... kind of thing. Okay. That's pretty That sick. was really inventive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give him that. He keeps Doctor Strange alive because that's his, you know, sort of supreme mm-hmm. okay. enemy, basically. Right. And he... He tortures him by bringing the last of each living thing and killing it in front of him. So, like, he brought in the last living horse and killed it in front of him. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And then Doom shows up and gets involved. Turns out it's not Doom. It's actually Conan (laughs) using Doom's armor. (laughs) Okay. And then they're trying to figure out how to deal with this. They come across a sarcophagus and... Conan right in, inscribes a date, which is the current date, September 15th, 2043, onto the sarcophagus. Okay. By doing this, Kang shows up and he's like, Why would you defile my sarcophagus? <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kang takes Conan to his chronopolis and lets him arm himself with whatever he wants from Kang's armory. So he takes like Captain America's shield, Eye of Agamotto, weapon after weapon after weapon, whatever. Sure. And they fight. Oh, well, old Conan goes back to 2043 to fight Kulin Gaff. Oh, Conan in King in Black got a symbiote sword in the side story for Savage Avengers. Okay. It's not really that big of a deal. It's okay. just that Kulin Gaff takes it away from him and he's sad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what a meanie. Yeah. What a big old bully. 2043, Kulin Gaff is revealed to be Kang for some reason. <laughs> sure. Something like it's not fully explained, but it looks like so like Kang has a chunk bitten out of his arm. And huh. so I assume Kulin Gaff ate 
part of Kang and took on some of Kang's time travel stuff. And then his DNA was able to rewrite. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But point is they finished Future Ku and Gath and Kang is like, I have to rewrite history. And so he goes back to the Savage Land prepared and recruits the Savage Avengers, including, you know, Black Widow and Ghost Rider and Wolverine, Elektra, and they fight Kulin Gaff. And then Ghost Rider uses a T-Rex as a steed. And so you have a flaming <laughs> head T-Rex. And <laughs> Kulin Gaff keeps on trying to win. And then they get the finishing blow by Doctor Strange unwrapping that. Uh, sword with the blood of Shumagorath impales it into Kulin Gath. The blood takes over Kulin Gath and Shumagorath is now reborn from the body of Kulin Gath. Okay. (laughs) And then, yeah. And everyone's like, are you serious? You really wanted to revive Shumagorath? (laughs) No, he like wants to devour dimension. He's like, yeah, but you know, the deal I made is that he's going to leave us alone. Right. And Shumagarath is like, eh, fine, I'll come back later. <laughs> and then they have a, they, they have a feast. They're like, Hey, let's go have a drink because this is over. And Conan's like, doom. It's like a King. We're going to let <laughs> <laughs> so, so they have their King's feast there. And then Kang is like, Conan, your story is done. Let's take you back to the Hyborian age. Uh-huh. And so Conan's like, I have something to do first. And so they go back in time to prevent Kool and Gath from ever becoming Kool and Gath. And instead oh. of, and it's the, it's the whole kill Hitler as a baby, baby sure. yeah. conversation. But instead of, instead, so Kang is like, kill Kool and Gath. And Conan's like, no. And so he kills the man who trains Kool and Gath in sorcery. Mm-mm. And raises Kool and Gaff as a swordsman warrior instead. Okay. And then the series ends with an issue and a half of that Kool and Gaff being raised as a warrior. Interesting. Yeah. And then Conan gets left in the Hyborian Age. Kang goes back to his Chronopolis. And it ends with the phrase, never the end. But like Conan's back. He's no longer in 616. Well, he's no longer in current 616. (laughs) Right. It's clearly the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they basically are like, hey, if we decide to time travel and go get Conan again. Right. (laughs) It was meh. It was just a giant meh. Now, Now. Darkhold. It is a one shot. So... What what were you expecting? Because you compared to what I, it was. okay. So not spoilers for multiverse of madness or anything, but sure. Darkhold is kind of a hot topic right now. Yes, as introduced in WandaVision, the Darkhold is a book of really powerful and corrupt corrupting spells. Yes, in the comics, the Darkhold is like the most ancient of evil spells created by ancient evil elder gods, mm-hmm. all of which are written by the elder god, Chathon, yeah. who I get confused with Cthulhu. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but Understandably so. Same idea. Yeah. <laughs> so Chthon 
<laughs> wrote these spells using the flesh of his brother and made them into a book. And that is the true Darkhold. Since then, yes, the Darkhold has been reprinted and remade <laughs> and a cop the copy of the copy basically is the dark hold that most people have seen either in the comics slash probably the dark hold in the movies right so yep. morgan lefay is famous for using it in mm-hmm. ancient avalon camelot times and it makes its way whenever there's a whenever there's a magical story to be told yes dark hold gets brought up at least Okay. Okay. So what I was thinking was going to happen is Darkhold was going to get involved. It's going to become a player in the larger comic book verse in the sense of maybe it would get destroyed and pages strewn about. And it was going to like lead us into this new magical storyline that, you know, on the cover, Wanda's on it. And so like... That could be Wanda's next storyline is collecting the pieces of the Darkhold or something. Okay, sure. I don't know. Something basic, yeah. something something ridiculous to create <laughs> stories for later. <laughs> of course, of course. That is not what I got. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So this is broken up into Darkhold Alpha and then Darkhold Blade, Darkhold Wasp, Iron Man, Black Bolt, Spider-Man, and then Darkhold Omega. Interesting. Okay. And most one shots typically do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's an alpha bunch of stuff in the inside. So a bunch yeah, of like, it's like a little mini mini crossover event thing going on yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So alpha starts with Dr. Doom in Abysmia, which is beneath the United States. That's all we ever know about. Okay. And it is. Dr. Doom uncovering the true Darkhold. Sure. So the original, original written by Cathan on his brother's skin. Okay. Gross. Any who read the true Darkhold descend into madness. Perfect. It turned not evil, but like there's a doom bot that tries to read it and its head bursts into flame. I hope to, I hope to write a book of this quality someday. (laughs) Uh, so at the same time this is happening wanda has a nightmare and she's like oh no it's him kathan is coming (laughs) so by opening the book we have weakened the barrier from where kathan is held and he will eventually come to take over the world kind of a thing okay yeah And then, so Victorious is there watching over the Doombots. They finally find it. And then Wanda shows up and she's like, this is not, this is a mistake. (laughs) You need to not be doing this. Then Doom shows up and he's like, get over it. We're doing this. And (laughs) they have a history together, specifically from the Children's Crusade, which is. That's right. Basically, Wanda disappeared after House of M. Yeah. And she was basically an amnesiac in, in Latveria. Mm-hmm. And Doom was trying to use her power and steal it and use it for his own kind of thing. Yeah. And so they have a troubled history, but then they're like, hey, 
Thon's a problem. And Doom was like, on this, we agree. We should probably uh, team up on this. And yeah, so, yeah. And Wanda's like, okay, we can team up, but like, don't use these for nefarious. <laughs> this is a very powerful book. And he's like, who? <laughs> and, me? <laughs> and so basically, by having the Doom bots read the book one at a time and all their heads bursting into flame and, <laughs> and whatever, they have read the Darkhold. Yeah. Doom collectively. now possesses the, the knowledge, like the text knowledge. Yeah. Of the Darkhold, and Wanda can interpret the Darkhold. Oh, okay. Huh. So, having read the text, Doom can physically read the book. Interesting. But he needs Wanda to be the translator. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, they find out about the Darkhold defenders, who were five child Calithic warriors who once drove Cathan back into his other realm prison. The dreamer, the fool, the stoic, the hunter, and the artist. Okay. okay. The five of them defeated him for a time, but entering the other realm cost them their sanity. Other realm is where Cathan's from. Sure. And so Wanda's like, past his prophecy, the right divining spell can reform such a group. And so we can summon those five to basically be proxies for the Darkhold Defenders to defeat Cathan. Interesting. Okay. And Doom is like, nah, I'm <laughs> the most powerful. I'm going to head over to, into Other Realm and defeat Cathan myself. See you later. Oh, shit. <laughs> so he jumps into the place, whatever, Other Realm, and Wanda is like, uh, Victorious, we need to summon the Darkhold Defenders. Let's do this. So, by magical hullabaloo, the Dreamer is Iron Man. The okay. Hunter is Blade. Sure. The Artist is Wasp. The okay. Stoic. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Stoic is Black Bolt. And then, yes, of course, clearly. the Fool is Spider-Man. <laughs> Excellent. So they all get magically summoned from wherever they are at the time. They show up. Wanda's like, hey, guys. And then Spider-Man and Wasp are both like, all right. Like, we've been Mm -hmm. summoned by ominous voices before. (laughs) Yeah. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wanda. Especially when Wanda's involved. Exactly. Wasp is like, okay. Like, so Wanda breaks it down. And Wasp is like, I know your history with Doom. If you're willing to pair up with him in order to deal with this, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like, no questions asked. Everyone else is like, fine, you know, let's do this, except for Black Bolt. He says, the Inhumans have lost much. We are in a period of healing. So he's signing this. And yeah. then Boss, who's the AI in Iron Man's armor, is interpreting. <laughs> oh, that's cool. The Inhumans have lost much. We are in a period of healing. We have just begun to fortify our future. My people deserve safety as they mend, and they must be my sole concern. No, I cannot afford no other. And then, middle of that, Doom comes back messed up. Like, on fire, bleeding from his mouth. His, like, half of his mask helmet thing is gone. Yeah, yeah. He got 
messed up. And then we see what happened to him. He showed up in other realm almost immediately. Forces started swarming him, and he got overwhelmed in seconds. Hmm. And they're all like, "Listen, you went to other realm. Tell us what the fuck happened." And he's like, yeah. "What happened to Doom are for Doom's eyes only." Uh, <laughs> and he's like, "All right, I have much to consider. I'll be back." <laughs> okay. And then so they're like, okay, well, whatever it was, messed Doom up. Let's do this. And so in order to be able to get into Other Realm, your mind must be slightly corrupted. And so the five have to read like two words of the Darkhold <laughs> in order for them to be slightly corrupted, but in order to but contain okay. their sanity. Interesting. And then they can shoot over. So they're like, all right, fine. So they try it. They all read too much. They all get immediately corrupted by the dark hold, and they all get these like dark Cthon. Yeah, yeah. Red, red sort of. They kind of look like like a mix between vampires and hounds from Days of Future Past. They do look like hounds. That's awesome. <laughs> and then so like Blade has huge fangs and a giant black mane. Iron mm-hmm. Man looks the creepiest. Yeah. It's like his flesh is like outside of his armor a little bit and mm. he just has like extra flesh. It's very yeah. strange. Spider-Man just has multiple eyes. It's not much to write home about. <laughs> Wasp just looks evil. And then yeah. uh Black Bolt, Black Bolt is in like a straight jacket and his yeah, yeah. muzzle. And they're like Pete being the one that talks, uh <laughs> is like what did you think would happen, Wanda? What about madness inspires self-restraint? You wanted the Darkhold Defenders, sure. But you're getting the Darkhold Defiled end scene. So okay. the next five issues are the backstories of these Defiled. Huh. Like okay. the worlds or like their personal backstories. <laughs> it's just different oh, okay. horror versions of what could have been. Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> sure. The ones that are truly horrifying are like that are actual horror t- from my perspective mm-hmm. are Spider Man and uh, Iron Man, okay, which happened to be the first and the last of the five issues. So that was yeah. nice for me. But like Iron Man was legitimately creepy and dark. Cool. Basically, in this world, as soon as he gets back from the cave, he got messed up. He, he's still he's wearing his armor, and then he reprograms the armor, or he programs the armor to have like a healing factor nano tech huh. thing on it. Yeah. And so like his face is all bruised. He put his helmet on. Hour later, he takes it off, and his face is healed. That okay. kind of thing. Sure. And they're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" He takes off his arm gauntlet, and his arm is just like messed up all of his flesh is like torn and oh. muscles are just like are open exposed and like yeah completely exposed and like oh my god oh my god oh my god put it back on put it back on clearly i have some stuff i still need to work out so he's okay. kind of stuck in his armor okay and as time goes on he's figuring things out more and more yeah by the next morning he is still in his full suit now and extra like skin is like seeping out of the armor it's like bleeding out and he's like what are you talking about this is a i i feel great i don't know what you mean 
Pepper and Happy and Jarvis are trying to stop him and trying to like yeah. help him. And he's like, you guys are ridiculous. I still have more work to do. And so he's just, he's starting to act more and more like a zombie. He locks them out of the lab and they get thermal or like x-ray scans of his body and inside of his armor he basically his mass is just like getting like dissolved like oh he's he's a skeleton but like his insides have like moved they're not even in where a body should have all oh, his organs so anymore gross. cool yeah and with each page his eyes are getting more and more red. He's starting to just eke out of his armor more and more. Like, it's just... That is so gross. Cool. It's super gruesome. To the, And, like, he can't even, like, stand up straight anymore because his, you know, muscles don't exist. <laughs> yeah. And he shuts everyone out, and then he gets Happy and Jarvis in, and he knocks them out with, like, security gas. And then he picks the two of them up and shoves them into one suit of armor and melts them together. And he's like, and he's he's convinced. He's just like, this, there's no pain. It's amazing. This is how I'm going to save the world. Like he is focused on this like healing armor thing. So it's, it's the end of Neon Genesis Evangelion. We all become one big soup together. Yes. Okay, <laughs> but but each and, soup and, and is in its is, own. This camp. is utopia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he shoves them into one. The screamings, the scream of them stops, and then mm-hmm. the armor starts walking around. And then so he's like, "I'm gonna do this for everyone." And then he <laughs> puts out an armor out into like the public outside of Stark Tower, and um, it's like. Says uh, diseases your doctors claimed were incurable can be fixed. Stark Industries is here to help. You just need to climb inside, and so like people are rushing to try to get inside the suit, and then it works for him, for them, and like then more and more suits show up, and then eventually all the screams stop, and it's just a bunch of hulking cans. And after all of that that's when Tony comes for Pepper and is just like, Pep, it's your turn. Come on. Oh, creepy. And walks her to her final, like, suit. Wow. It's, it was so dark and creepy. Yeah. I was like, excuse? <laughs> wow, that's fantastically creepy. Cool. Yeah. And then you get Blade, where his world is a world where there are... This is New York V2K, which is Calendarium Vampire Year 2. Basically, in this, two years ago, vampire terrorist Deacon Frost offered himself as a host to the ancient blood demon La Magra. Excuse me. Annihilating himself and unleashing the V-wave. Billions of humans instantly became vampires. The millions turned under daylight burned. Superhumans were transformed, becoming either human or vampire by random chance or unholy design. The AIs went blank. The gods of men were banished. No more mutants or inhumans or eternals. There are now only two races on Earth, the fanged and the food. And there's only one man who can walk in both worlds and save what's left of ours. Put your last drop of hope in Blade. So it's just a Blade with random 
cameos here and there. You've got Amadeus Cho is a vampire. Silver Sable, Prowler, and Citizen V are the last Avengers, and they're humans. And it's just kind of a world of vampires. It's not, it wasn't dark at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not as cool as the other one. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's the backstory of Blade. Yeah. Darkhold Wasp, it focuses on Wasp questioning her place more and more and getting more and more angry, but also holding it in because that is quote unquote her place as a woman Mm. household. Cause this is set back when like in like the sixties, when the Avengers first happened, okay, first came together and you know, the world was different. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Much more sexist and restrictive gender roles. Sure. Yes. Well, she's married to Hank Pym. He treats her like she's dirt. Yeah, and it basically you see her like descent into anger, and uh, mm-hmm. it eventually ends. It ends with the domestic violence that Hank did to her, yes. but then she snaps and kills him. Okay, and that is her backstory. Sure, the stoic for Black Bolt. Black Bolt comes to on the Inhuman Prison Planet, just trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to remember. He remembers finding out about a coup plot by Maximus to take him out. And so now he's wondering, is that is that what happened? Did Maximus win? Why am I here? Why am I alive? Mm. What's going on? And then a servant who the servant who gave him the heads up about the coup is on his way to the planet to get Black Bolt. Black Bolt thinks it's Maximus. Uh, He takes out the plane in his dying breath. The servant is like, once my role in our treachery was discovered, he's like, my prince, I failed you. Uh, Once a role in my treachery was discovered, I was forced to flee Adelan. I came to take you with me to flee Adelan's grasp, but but it is perhaps better that I die here with you. You don't understand. You don't remember, do you? And then he reveals this other plot about. (laughs) So the plot was Maximus was going to get physically turned into one of his like delegates to incite a coup from within. But it turns out the actual plan was to turn Maximus into Black Bolt and mimic his powers and in order to get past all the psychic defenses, they gave him Black Bolt's memories. But Interesting. unfortunately, by turning into Black Bolt, he doesn't have the literal lifetime of training on how to not make a noise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so the plan failed pretty immediately. <laughs> sure, yeah. And then... In revealing all of that backstory, the servant dies. And so now you have Black Bolt on the prison planet trying to figure out if he's Maximus Black Bolt or actual Black Bolt, because he legitimately oh. does not know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And okay. That's his backstory. Spider-Man's backstory is ugh, there's this thing that happened called the unraveling. And Everybody is just like falling apart. Oh. 
And in the caption says, I don't know how or why the unraveling happened. Nobody does. Reed says it might have had something to do with the molecule man, but I can tell when he's reaching. All we know is that one day everything began to fall apart. Bridges, buildings, even people. That's when the old webbing came in handy. Uh, only trouble is it doesn't last. And so so he, he's just webbing people back together? Yeah, so he's going around webbing up buildings, webbing people, and people are just losing their minds. Like it's almost like they're yeah, just no reliving the same day over and mm. over because their brains just like reset like every Interesting. day. Interesting. Okay. And so he comes across this guy whose uh, bottom jaw fell off and his arm fell off. So he webs up the guy's jaw, gives it to him. He's like, hey, go. <laughs> You know, <laughs> go uh, get your jawbone checked out. I'm going to go get your arm. And we come across Dr. Octopus, who has the arm and thinks <laughs> he has a hostage, being like, hi, you have to, uh, I see you're here for our final duel. Now face me, wall crawler, face Dr. Octopus, or this innocent man dies. <laughs> and as he fights, his metal arms just start to fall off of his back. Uh-huh. And Pete is just trying to keep everybody going. Interesting. As Doc Ock's arms fall off, he gets super embarrassed. He's like, don't laugh. Please don't laugh at me. And Pete's like, you know, I won't auto. I won't tomorrow or the day after that either. I promise. And he webs his arms back onto his back. (sighs) And then giant fire four comes up into the air. So he's going to the Baxter building where we have Reed barely able to hold his physical body together and he shows up and he's just a mass oh and pete's like can you put yourself together he's like sorry like i can think better when i don't have to worry about my physical form well and we have we see some vats in the back that seem to be what used to be things sue and johnny oh god so reed puts himself back together and he's like, hey, you know, I know you have this responsibility to the city, but like you need to. Uh, oh, sorry. This whole time, Pete is trying to get home in time for his anniversary dinner with Gwen. Oh, OK. He needs to be home by 730. OK. But Reed calls him out and he's just like, wait, why? She's like, because she's my wife. And he's like, yes, I suppose that's technically still the case, but it doesn't explain why you keep indulging these inane anniversary meal fantasies. You have a responsibility to the city. And Pete's like, Reed, I sleep three hours a night if I'm lucky. Last I checked, I weigh a buck 29 on the (laughs) nose. Every day I wake up and I knit this hopeless city back together all by myself. Then my webbing dissolves and I do it all over again. Meanwhile, you're down here being existentially confused glop. Do not talk to me about responsibility. So there's darkness about. Yeah. (laughs) And Reed is like, yeah, I want to show you something. Your webbing degrades over approximately like three hours, right? He's like, yeah, Otto had some ideas about extending the lifespan, but he's out of the picture. What am I looking at? And there's these, a self-healing organic polymer that can theoretically replace your web fluid. I applied this special enzyme to make it adhesive. And it's just a bunch. It's like, it kind of looks like the back of a grand piano. Okay. And Pete's like, what is it? And Reed says, it used to be my finger. Oh. Yeah. Pete's like, uh, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's like, here, here's some more, you know, here's the rest of what I got. Problem is I need some more elastic molecular structure because you can't, like, I can't just keep on using my body. I need something. And mm-hmm. so he's, he wants to go get the symbiote. Uh, he wants right. to go get venom. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So he goes to go get Venom and Venom, the symbiote is starting to fall apart and Eddie inside has already died. He's already mm-hmm. fallen apart completely. And Venom's like, I can't let go of Eddie. He was my everything. He was my home. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And by the end of that fight, Venom dies because symbiotes need a living host. <laughs> right. Of course. And then, I mean, Eddie was no longer living. Anywho, at the end of that fight, Pete races back home to get to Gwen, and he is 17 minutes late, and Gwen, turns out, she is webbed up at the table, and she's already gone. Dark. Yeah. So, at the end, he goes back to Baxter Building, Reed is like, any complications? He's like, none worth mentioning. Good, excellent. Peter, about Gwen. I spoke out of turn earlier and I apologize. It was wrong of me to imply that your priorities are responsible or considered. I would have done anything to keep them alive, Peter, anything. Sometimes I wonder if they were all that was holding me together, Peter. And then Pete approaches from behind with a needle and you turn the page and you see a happy stitched together New York City and all it took was a Reed Richards. Reed. Wow. And the web and so there's this web talking to Peter and it says, please Peter, it hurts. And Pete says, I know Reed, but you have a responsibility to the city. And weird. Okay. Cool. Dark. (laughs) Yeah. So that is the creation backstories of the five Darkhold defilers or whatever. So Omega is basically picks up where Alpha left off. And Wanda catches them all with Sidorak bands or Crimson bands. Sorry, she uses the bands of Belasco, not Sidorak's bands. Okay. There's legitimately no difference. They're pinker. <laughs> Okay, sure. Then the Crimson Bands. <laughs> yes, of course. But uh, she opens up the portal, takes the five of them to the other realm, and the five defiled get swarmed by Chathon's armies and beasts and monsters that are plaguing the town. And so they all get into fights. They get to use their abilities. Blah, 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 blah. And then, oh yeah, this thing, guy. Something, somebody shows up, and I legitimately don't know who he is. <laughs> like, he shows up and just, like, wrecks house on the Defiled. Huh. Like, blasts Wasp away, brushes off Blade, and they're trying to free... And he is called the Quiet One. And then Chathon shows up. Quiet One kneels in front of him. Chathon's like, move aside. My door is open. I'm heading out. And then Doom and Wanda push him back. And, you know, magic fight to versus magic fight. People right. do big moves and yada, yada, yada. 
how does this end? It ends with uh, Wanda absorbs the true dark hold into herself to become Uh-oh, more powerful. Wanda. Okay. This sounds like a very Wanda solution to a problem that didn't need to be Wanda. <laughs> yeah. Jathan's like, you may burn like everyone else. And, and Wanda's like, no. And he's like, how? You have no power over me, child. And she says, your book does. And now it's every fiber, every ink drop exists within me. And he says, you can't contain it. You don't have the strength. He's like, now I am the true Darkhold. You hunted me for so long, but in the end, you do not possess me, Shathan. I possess you. And she basically kind of absorbs or disintegrates Shathan. It's not entirely clear, but he ceases to be, and she is super magic powerful. Huh. Yeah. And then using her absorbed magicness, dark holdness, she turns the five defiled back into the five beings that they once were and sends them back through the portal, healed. And that's that's that. She also sends the silent one or the quiet one here. And he has a floating head AI that's like helping take care of them. Okay. We began with model X3Z has met its Omega point. He is James Michael Starling, my son, Omega the Unknown. We have returned home to mingle our to mingle our findings and repair our bond. And if you can't, I'm designated motherhead to his son lost to madness for decades. I logged the promise I will not lose him again. So yeah. The two takeaways, basically. Yeah. Omega the Unknown is now on 616. I don't... Because they have returned, I assume he has a history. If I read it, I don't remember it. Sure. (laughs) And Wanda absorbed the Darkhold and is... She tells herself... The last picture is her flying away saying, I'm free. But, like, is she... And it says the Scarlet Witch will return. Okay. Yeah. It was weird. I mean, yeah, like two issues. <laughs> sure. The story lasted two issues. <laughs> and but you know, some some interesting ideas worth worth uh pulling in and reading. That was uh yeah. a real horror turn in interesting. Yeah. yeah, that Spider-Man and the Iron Man stories like yes. stayed with me. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Those were wild. So, Fantastic Four Eternal Flame. Yes. Johnny is burning incredibly hot, uncontrollably so. He can't turn it off. He's starting to throw a temper tantrum because he can't do anything. And Reed promised to help, but then, like, you know, Fantastic Four gets in, gets in the way. Mm-hmm. The most recent thing that got in the way was that really random Kang travel story, Kang time travel story that ended with a video message from Reed's father saying that he has a half sister. Okay. And so that is weighing on the back of Reed's head and he's trying to take care of uh, whatever Johnny is going through. 
And then we also have this other side plot about Joe and Nikki, the Cree and Skrull, who have the collective histories of the Cree and the Skrull, and they were made to enact, reenact Cree and Skrull war battles uh, for the Profiteer, who is an elder of the universe. Mm-hmm. And they have been adopted by Alicia and Ben. Okay. So, so two of them trying to get used to like earth life. Alicia takes them on a walk to get outside and meet some other neighborhood kids. They meet Lunella and devil because she lives on Yancey street and they have little crossing paths there. Maybe hopefully that'll become a thing. Reed calls sky sky is Johnny's soul bound from the other planet mm-hmm. that Reed found that he wanted to go and see. And she shows up and she is mutated like a harpy. Huh. Turns out. So when you are soul bound, the things that you feel and happen to you also happen to your soul bound. You feel it. And so when Doom cosmically charged Johnny, she got cosmically charged as well. She hasn't seen him since he slept with Victorious, but she knows that he did because she felt the good times, basically, (laughs) while she was alone at home. (laughs) Oh, Johnny. Yeah. And so she calls him out and she's like, yes, as your powers are amplified, so are mine. I feel everything you feel. That's how our bond works. I experienced all of it. Who was she? You can't remove your oh sorry. The soul, the soul bind, the soul ring or whatever that's like the armband can only be removed, only be removed by your soul mate. And okay. for whatever reason, it wasn't burning. Hmm. It was just intact on his arm. And so that inspired read to want to reach to sky to see if she can help reach the home planet to you know see if their researchers can help because whatever that soul ring is made out of it's not burning so right he's having a tough time coming up with a suit that will uh help johnny so sure uh she shows up she grabs the soul ring and rips it off of them because isn't this what you wanted? Her hands are, are burned. Yeah. She takes the forever gate back home to fulfill her promise of, I will say, I'll see what they can do. Johnny. Uh, last thing he does for her is he takes, he removes her soul, soul ring and she is heartbroken. That's a bummer ending to that. Little plot line there. Yeah. The last like especially because Johnny's just fucked it up like royally. And it's just and and, like I I get his reluctance to like commit to this because if someone else showed up and was like, Hey, we are promised to be together, we are soulmates. Yeah. Be my soulmate. I'd be like, "Ah." but like her entire society is built around this system right so she was 100 committed and he like was they got along 
Right. Like, it's not like he hated her. Right. It's just they really focused on Johnny's immaturity for the last couple volumes. Totally. Yep. Uh, which sucks because <laughs> he has had plenty of character growth, mature Johnny moments over the years, but that doesn't right. play into the story we want to tell now. Right. Exactly. No one can ever really change in comics. Right. So that, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that plot. And then the profiteer is her numbers are taking a huge hit. So she wants to get Joe and Nikki back. So she sends people to go and collect them again. They defend themselves. Joe, the Cree boy, in defending Nikki, kills like four of the would-be captors. Alicia and Ben are not fans of this. Joe is very much a soldier. And so whenever Ben is talking to him, he always calls him commander. Uh, anytime he says, like, don't do this, is like orders received, you know, like that kind okay. of stuff. Sure. Alicia freaks out and she's like, I'm going to fix this. And so she goes and gets some of her radioactive clay and she's going to manipulate Joe. She's going to, huh. she's going to create a Joe and manipulate him. I assume to like do something. I don't entirely know specifically how she intends to fix a warrior being willing to kill. <laughs> but she is currently being visited by this guy, Hiram, and he all of a sudden starts talking in a weird voice. And it's her father, who's the puppet master. This is where she learned the whole thing. And he says, don't go down this path. <laughs> you use the radioactive clay once to put words in my mouth so that you could have a better life. You used it again to protect your daughter against a woman who uh, you could never trust. But this is a step too far. Trust me, daughter, it is a choice even I wouldn't make. No mother should try to control their child like this. Be the parent you wish I had you wish I had been, Alicia. Be better than me. And so she stops what she's doing. Huh. But that was a really interesting kind of moment. Cause like it's true. Puppet Master has never actually controlled Alicia. That's that is true. With all of his like machinations and all of his being a Fantastic Four villain, yep. he's never controlled his own daughter. And so him reaching out and being like, don't, don't do this is um, wow. a big moment. Yeah. I mean, she's controlled him too. So <laughs> he, she controlled him when Ben approached him at the raft to ask for his permission oh. to marry Alicia. Huh. And Ben doesn't know that. Interesting. He thinks that Puppet Master just reluctantly let gave him his blessing when he truly hasn't. But yeah, Ben has a heart-to-heart with Joe, just like, listen, you got to stop calling me commander. We don't kill. We will defend and we will protect. We do not kill. And stop calling me commander. He's like, well, what I call you? He's like, legitimately, just call me dad. <laughs> you're only ever going to be my son you're yeah. never going to be my warrior you're never going to be my soldier you will always okay. be my son hmm. Ben and Alicia I don't know where it came from but they make amazing parents 
That is really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I I could absolutely see Ben being just being the best dad. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then the next main plot is the wizard suing the future foundation slash dragon man over custody of Bentley 23. Okay. Dane Whitman or not Dane Whitman. God, what is his name? It's obviously Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. Bentley Whitman, but W I T T M A N. Oh, oh, oh. It's not Whitman. It's Whitman. Right, right, right. (laughs) But so he serves Dragon Man over custody of Bentley because he decides it is time to bring Bentley back into the fold. So they hire She Hulk, legal battle ensues. Adult Bentley represents himself. He says that he is with the Whitman the first and mm. all of the evil and bad doings that the the wizard has done in the past were other clones of himself and that huh. this Whitman has been a law-abiding citizen this whole time interesting so they take they take an identity scanner that reed has created yeah and says identity confirmed bentley whitman the first biodata 0110001 and so reed gives his affirmation i can confirm that according to this readout the bentley whitman in this courtroom today has a stronger genetic pattern than any previous scan of the repeat offender and supervillain known as the wizard the logical conclusion is that the man we have fought on multiple earlier occasions was a clone so as bentley 23 is his genetic son quote unquote he wants custody and wants to prove that Dragon Man is incapable, incapable of providing a quote-unquote normal legal guardian fatherhood figure because he is an AI that is programmed to mimic a human and not actually be a human, so on and so forth. So I found out about this thing, about this place, called superhuman court basically (laughs) we have justice Payne, and she is the judge and she is incredibly powerful and her power is represented very similarly to the blue marvel Hmm. in terms of just like white blue black and dark blue like dots yeah. And her eyes glow and she is powerful enough to keep her room in check. <laughs> her courtroom in check. Ben is like, well, how come she where's well, how come she hasn't been helping us fight like Galactus and Nihilus and all this? And <laughs> she Hulk is like, You fight justice in your way, she fights justice in her way. Just let nope. it be. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so they basically use this as a recap of things Bentley has been involved with over the last like 30 issues of this run Fantastic Four. Okay. Trying to prove that he is unworthy, like, you know, his life is in danger, that kind of shit. While this is happening, Johnny is getting super impatient and throwing tantrums about Reed going to these hearings instead of trying to cure Johnny's condition. And so he flies off and has his own little personal journey 
which involves, he's like, okay, years of being human torch have taught me one thing. Water wins. So I'm going to go down into the deepest parts of the ocean and try to douse my flame. In doing so, he looks around and sees just death. (laughs) All these dead fish everywhere. Namor shows up. His skin is starting to bubble and boil. And he's like, Torch, you need to leave out of my waters now. And Johnny's like, holy crap, this might have been a bad idea. And so he leaves. So he's like, like Namor has super thick skin. He like, I've seen him take all kinds of punishment. How is he like burning right now? This is insane. Yeah. So he's like, okay, fire needs oxygen. I'm going to go into outer space and uh, that'll shut my flame off. Gets to outer space and his flame is still going. And he's like, there's no arrow here. Why is this happening? (laughs) Thoroughly confused. And so now that he's done all that, he's like, okay, I need Reed. I'll be calm. (laughs) And so that was his little personal journey over the like two issues. Yeah. Anyway, the court gets thrown or the case gets thrown out because the true original Bentley Whitman shows up, takes the scanner and says identity confirmed Bentley Whitman prime. And Reed says astounding. His genetic pattern has even less deviations than the reading we took from yesterday. And this Bentley is showing up as in like regular civilian clothes and stuff and throws Bentley for a loop or wizard for a loop. And he's like, wait, I'm Bentley too. (laughs) And so he leaves the court, which then the judge rules in favor of dragon man. And so Bentley gets to stay, but all of this has made Bentley and dragon man think that's, you know, let's, let's find our own thing. So they get a fantastic car and uh, they head out. They're going to go do their own thing. And then there is this like epilogue of Bentley prime Bentley 23 and dragon man going to this lab. And you get this monologue basically from Bentley 23. It's like child. I'm not the one who was born yesterday. Whitman because Bentley calls him a child. Um, as asked sure. for how I did it, two days ago, I intuited that the wizard was watching my movements through sensors he'd embed in my optic nerves. Once I could ascertain which frequency he was using, I hijacked the signal, accessed his webcams, learned his password, took control of all of his, including his cloning vats. From there was matter. It was just a matter of improving his cloning process, drawing a genetically <laughs> superior version of Bentley Whitman, and then programming you to come down to the courthouse and emancipate me thank you by the way well done and now the three of us are free to do all kinds of things dragon man says i'm not sure about this bentley this all seems rather odd to me bentley says new beginnings often do often do my friend own it make it yours as of today i'm reclaiming my life from now on call me the wizard so young bentley 23 is now deciding to be the superior wizard or whatever (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I love Bentley. I, I I hope this works out for him. Me too. I really like his character. Yeah. And then there's these two one-off issues of 
Grim Noir, which is this like nightmare battle he has with Despair, who is, I think he's like Nightmare's brother or something, but he fights him in his dreams and his nightmares. And it's kind of just a character journey for Ben. It's not major. Like it, it okay. doesn't have anything big on it. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fantastic Four Road Trip is a really weird single issue where they're going on a road trip to the Grand Canyon. On the way to the Grand Canyon, Reed stops and collects some samples from this crater of meteor that struck because he was getting some weird readings from it. Turns out the the dust on there was... So the dust particulates came from the planet where Sky is from. So that's why he's interested in it. But then the mad thinker poisoned that the dust in order to basically make all the Fantastic Four's powers go like haywire and start to fail. And so it kind of became this like daytime horror story. Sue's body starts disappearing. First it's her eyelids and then it's like parts of her. Yeah. And then it's like parts of her skull and then like parts of her body things, rocks start falling off. And then Valeria starts getting dumb. It's like she can't form sentences and words. Jeez. Franklin, Franklin's powers are still around. <laughs> and they start going to like the nth degree. And he is showing up physically everywhere subconsciously. Reed is no longer able to hold his like form anymore. And he's like carrying around one of his arms in a bucket. Oh shit. Yeah. And things are just starting to really fall apart. Johnny is starting to burn alive, but he's not feeling any pain, but like his like body is starting like he's everything that is currently flamed on is like skeletal. Hmm. And Mad Thinker is having a heyday with this, and he's feeling great. There's just some real nasty visuals. I feel, <laughs> I wish they got a better artist, but like, okay. there's like this picture of Reed standing over Sue, and his face is just melting down onto Sue. Oh, God. Yeah. And oh, God. Sue's like all muscle tendons and stuff oh there's just a flaming skull johnny just like how am i still alive no no yeah yeah they get out of this by franklin and valeria joining together like melting together because valeria's mind is still working it's just she can't communicate and by being blended together with franklin and his powers she's able to restart forming sentences and figure out exactly what's going on and reed has been doing research on this the entire time so they figure out that they can uh, get through this and survive by all six of them joining together and making just 
a giant mass of fantastic. What is with this week of reading and just like body horror amalgamations? It's a great question. And so anyway, they all reform and rebuild themselves and they are back to peak physical form, cured of the disease or whatever, and they go and take out the mad thinker and go home. So (laughs) two conversations, basically, that um, I skipped over on this book that I really liked. One is during the trial, Franklin gets put on on the stand uh, to try to bring the Fantastic's ability to be parents into question and Mm -hmm. talk about the fact that he started going to therapy recently and he's like, no, like that's my parents being good parents because that's what I needed. And, and we get actually a scene of a therapy session that he brought his parents to. Mm -hmm. So his therapist is Terry Ward trauma. His ability is to physically turn into whatever your greatest fear is. Right. And he uses it as like exposure therapy to uh, help you get through whatever you're going through. And it's fucking amazing. And and I love this application of his power. (laughs) (laughs) So we go through it and it's this trauma is going through all the different physical manifestations of the Franklin Richards that we've seen over the years. So there's baby Franklin that created the pocket universe for Heroes Reborn mm-hmm. and how he was super powerful back then. And then he tried to use his cosmic power to rewrite my own biology, prematurely aging myself, transforming myself into who I thought I should be, the boy who would be God and saw how much it scared everyone. So I gave myself limits. Tried being a superhero like other kids my age. Uh, It felt like the right path. I really thought I knew who I was, who I wanted to be. But someday I'd be with you guys as one of the Fantastic Four. And then then this happened, or rather it didn't. Psy Lord, a version of me from a different timeline. He went on adventures with you, not me. And now I'm his age and I'm nothing like him. And what's worse... I've seen the perfect me from the future, the man I have be- I have to become, the man who has to save everything. I'm so far from that now. What if I'm not good enough? What if I let you all down? And that last version was the Frank- the adult Franklin that made Galactus his herald. Oh. That we see it in like history of the Marvel Universe and stuff. Yes. And he's like, I... I do not see that potential in me now. Like, huh. I know how important he is. What if I screw it up? Interesting. And these are the things that Franklin's going through. And so, like, his therapy has gotten him to that point to be able to, like, articulate that to his own parents that he's trying to live up to. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> the, what was the other one? Damn it. Oh, it was this thing. Uh, with it was one conversation that he that Reed had with Sue because he's obsessing with this message from his dad, and this is the second time now he's found out about a second family basically mm. that Nathaniel has had, and yeah. it's translating to Reed as like, why wasn't I good enough for him that he had to keep on going and making new families? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's 
messing with him. Sure. And so that's like a side plot that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So that was Fantastic Four. It had good moments, but nothing. It's. <sighs> I'm used to Fantastic Four being a little more grand, I guess. Yeah. In its story. And this was very grounded and just kind of like one issue long story plots. Interesting. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, I can sum up in like five sentences. (laughs) But so, backstory. So, who was Kazar? His name is Kevin Plunder. Yep. His father, something Plunder, (laughs) took him to the Savage Land to basically colonize he's british it's just in their blood i guess so they go to the savage land to do what they can to take it over they one of the things that they have done is they have killed the entire population of smilodons with the exception of zabu who is kazar or kevin's pet sure somewhere along the lines he has taken on the name kazar which is his like a savage land name. Sure. He had he met this woman, Shauna O'Hara, mm-hmm. uh, an American. Uh, I don't know how she ended up in the Savage Land, but they fell in love and they got married. So she's now Shauna O'Hara uh Plunder. Her title is Shauna the She-Devil. Yep. Back in Savage Wolverine, she died and was brought back by the lifeblood of a man thing native to savage land and by being brought back in that fashion she ended up kind of becoming like a poison ivy she is one with plants and has control over plant life okay and kind of like what we've seen with like richter in kirkoa and excalibur yeah. and like yeah, being yeah. just really in tune with the earth she is like that with the nature, uh, the flora of the Savage Land. In Empire, Avengers, the Kotati killed Kazar, and they brought him back in a similar fashion of how they brought Shauna back. And in doing so, Kazar also became one with the Savage Land, but in but one with like the life of the Savage Land. So the animals and the insects and all that kind of stuff. And it basically takes the form of like how reptile turns parts like channels animals or dinosaurs, but he turns into them. Right. It started out with him kind of like imbuing the spirits of these dinosaurs and animals. The best Example is a DC hero, so I won't be able to like. I know you won't get the reference, but there's this DC hero. I forget her name honestly, but she has a medallion and she channels the spirits of like a rhino, and she becomes incredibly strong or like a elephant. Yada yada yada. Okay, sure. It's represented the same way in all the like TV shows and cartoons. There's like this like uh, translucent spirit animal behind her when she, whenever she does this same thing was mm-hmm. happening with kazar okay they have a son named matthew so so the only things that have happened is shauna 
with her control over plants, has developed this plant cloth that she and Kazar now wear. And it's basically a symbiote costume cloth thing. So when they go to the icy parts of the Savage Land, it grows and becomes like fur clothing for them. Okay. In their normal Savage Land, they have their normal like bikini loincloth look. But Kazar's loincloth now has a tail. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they find a guy that ends up dying at the end, so it's not a big deal. The plot is basically all of the dead of the Savage Land are angry at Kazar for not protecting them, for lack of a better interpretation. And they use biomechanical, a biomechanical approach to tap into their dead bodies and reanimate themselves and try to take everyone out. It's called polycyons is what their group is called (laughs) they're being (laughs) they're being led by this guy called like devoya but he dies at the end so it's not that important (laughs) but before he dies he smashes kazar's head in and removes his head and Mm. he dies but then plant savage land magic decided that he needs to live. And so he has another rebirth (laughs) and (laughs) becomes more in tune with the savage land before it was like, what I imagine it'd be like when you first, when you first developed telepathic powers and everything is screaming in your head. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, Now it's more focused and he has more control over it. But now instead of imbuing the spirits of these things, he physically manifests these things. Jeez. Okay. So like he physically manifested pterodactyl wings and Sean is like, you have pterodactyl, you've grown pterodactyl wings. And he's like, I'm just borrowing them. It doesn't make sense. But (laughs) sure. Yeah. So Kazar with his newfound balance goes to the heart of all the bad guys and is like, polycyons, listen to me. We can live in peace together. The Savage Land doesn't deny you your place and let us coexist. And they're like, yeah, all right. So (laughs) (laughs) they turned on Devoya, whatever, and ate him. And now we have a bunch of dinosaurs and animals with also tech pieces to them. Very much like the cover of the comic, which yeah. is a dinosaur with a bunch of like metal parts. Sure, yeah, yeah. Sorry, a T-Rex with a bunch of metal parts. And so now they are learning to coexist. And the other tribes within the Savage Land are figuring it out. And at the very end, Matthew is like, hey, Dad, Kazar, Kevin, he's like, I hear you. But We've grown beyond our plunder names. It's just Kazar now. Sweet. Does that mean I get to pick a name? Shauna's like, of course. Call yourself whatever you like. And Kazar says, the land continues to change and evolve. And so should we. But Matthew doesn't actually choose his (laughs) name. Sure. Yeah. So basically, Kazar can shapeshift. He is in tune with the animal life of 
the Savage Land, Shauna is in tune with the plant life of the Savage Land. Matthew is Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And again, I don't know where this plays into him being the Herald of Galactus in the past with his time knife. (laughs) So we'll just have to find out. (laughs) It's the time knife, Cheaty. Everybody's seen it. I'm sorry. I'll never let that joke go. Yeah, so comics. Comics. Okay. Yeah, absolute comics. Could hardly be more comics. <laughs> Tell me about adjectiveless X-Men and the other one you said you read. And Uncanny. Yeah, yeah. Uncanny. So, so there's still there's still one title together, basically, right? Oh, so right. I, I just read like thing. Yeah, so I just basically read one arc. And this is this has gotten very Alan Davis. Uh, he's he's writing and drawing. I think he's both writing and drawing X Men, and he's writing Uncanny, okay. or or at least he's he's plotting them both, and somebody else is scripting them. So just, you are familiar with Alan Davis's style. Uh, so just keep this in mind. <laughs> okay. So it starts with Wolverine. He's running through some danger room scenarios to infiltrate Genosha and assassinate Magneto. There's a funeral for Joseph, and he won't attend. The uh, ambassador, Huxley, the one who brokered the deal to give Magneto sovereignty over Genosha, mm-hmm. she, she and Xavier have a meeting, and when Chuck first enters the room, almost said walks in when Chuck first enters the room, <laughs> Huxley's like, so do you know what I'm thinking right now? So and she's like, you were very, you know, conspicuously up in the Arctic, you know, when we did this whole deal, despite, you know, you being very publicly, not a mutant yourself, clearly something's up. I'm on to you. I know what's going on here, but it, which is kind of weird because, like, he was just remanded into custody for the whole onslaught thing. So, like, hmm. government nominally knows he's a mutant through all that. Like, Bastion certainly did. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. They came up with the story like five years ago and they only They're just, just like, now you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, there's this funeral for Joseph besides the regular, you know, current. Members of the team, Scott, Gene, Hank, Bobby, Warren, Betsy, Sam, Sabra, and Maggot all show up. All right. This is uh, Maggot's last appearance for four years. And the next time we see him is the issue he's killed off. Oh, I know. And he's he's just in the background. He doesn't even have a line. (laughs) They hate Maggot so much. That bones me out. Also... Finally, somebody acknowledges that Alex went missing, uh, Havoc. Gene's like, ever since, you know, Havoc went missing. And he, okay, I don't know why they think he only went missing. He was on a fucking plane that exploded. <laughs> they should all be like, like, Scott should be like, Holy oh my shit, God, my brother is dead. No, not even, like, they, no one ever found the body, right? He's off in this other dimension. He is, for all they know, dead, 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 dead extremely dead and because but because marvel's publishing mutant x they're not reacting to it like that 
I was right. like, oh, he's missing. Sure. Cool. So yeah, the, the whole team plus Chuck stands rogue for some reason. Go into the, the active team, just the active members. Go uh, So, you know, Storm, Kitty, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Marrow, and Gambit. Go into the danger room to have an intervention with Wolverine because he's driving himself crazy trying to, you know, run through scenarios where he can successfully assassinate Magneto. And right then they're abducted by an alien. Just them. All right. Alien is named Ejulp, which the the wiki says that it that the name Ejulp is Ditko, as in Steve Ditko, shifted one space over on the keyboard. <laughs> okay. You you kinda have to get creative, I suppose. It's like Co would be LP. Yeah. It'd be F O B F O They're all they all have different Why? shifting. Like be foil. It's yeah. I mean, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh it's not on the keyboard. Sorry, it's it's in the alphabet. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll check this out. I'm an idiot. I mean, it's like uh, Hal and IBM. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this alien comes out of literally nowhere at, on the last page of the issue and, you know, teleports just these people, despite all these other people being there, who might be relevant, transports them to the middle of a giant space battle. Oh. And we're like, okay, cool. We're doing this now. <laughs> so it's just a bunch of fun, you know, trippy Alan Davis art, nonsensical Alan Davis plot. Everyone' powers are, have gone wonky. They're actually in another dimension. Their powers are all wonky. Gambit throws a car, tries to throw a card, and it just like flies right at Marrow and blows the shit out of her. <laughs> and Storm starts manifesting some space goddess called the Treon, and then falls into a protective trance. And then Wolverine gets fused with Professor X's astral form. Just like, okay. Just like, just Alan Davis, big on stuff happening. <laughs> and not really like much, you know, it, the, it's, the point isn't whether, like, what it means or what the consequences are. Because nothing will stick and nothing matters. It's just, oh, cool, look at this. This happened. So it's like Dante. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, apparently the threat that they were taking all this way to deal with is Juggernaut. And Black Tom is the one who told them to get told Ejulp to go get the X-Men, mm-hmm. who's there, too. And apparently in the last appearance of Juggernaut, they repowered him. There was like some plot about a, a second Sidorak gem. It turns out it wasn't a gem of Sidorak. It was some other, you know, horrible consciousness and it possessed him and his powers and then his powers started getting bigger and bigger and then he punched a barrier in space-time america chavez style and he also has been growing and now he's like 80 feet tall and he's just like wreaking havoc on this space-faring civilization that Ejulp is a part of that yes i see your face And, and again, it's kind of beautiful, right? Because this is all just told so matter-of-factly and straightforward. And you just get to see, like, <laughs> just all of this crazy shit happening. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
And then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Xavier does get to uncork this fantastic line. He says, in many ways, I consider it fortunate for the world that it was my small-minded stepbrother who, was a, who originally stumbled onto the mystical Sidorak crystal and not someone with the ambition, vision, and imagine, imagination to realize the full potential of such power's destructive aspect. Damn. I know, right? Damn. <laughs> what a dick. I know. Like <laughs> you kind of you you kind of start to see that like, you know, Juggernaut has a point of like, "Oh, Chuck, you thinks he's so great." It's like, "Yeah, he, he just calls you an idiot constantly to your wow. face." Yeah. But they help juggernaut out they you know help him beat the the possession of this second crystal and get his body and his powers back etc etc he shrinks down to normal day is saved just like in the span of like two pages right it's like every issue is like 20 pages of like look at all this cool crazy shit that's happening and then the last two pages like okay it's done all right we win (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so ejel he's like cool i'll send you back to earth but turns out to be really off they can like see all sorts of weird is? yeah okay it's full of a bunch of imposter x-men and superheroes and they're like what's going on it turns out this is actually the the scroll homeworld and they yeah. have created an artificial earth city recreated it for like infiltration and training and and like filled it full of you know like earth superheroes to get like you know not only experience fighting against them, but also like experience impersonating them for whatever, you know, so you see future shades of secret invasion, even though these two storylines have nothing in common, <laughs> except that this was, uh, you know, not contemporaneous with the publishing because all the characters are in their seventies outfits and this or their 80s outfits, rather. And this storyline takes place, like, literally days before Galactus comes and eats the Scroll homeworld. Mm. And there's also, like, a Shi'ar city right next to the Earth city. Like, they're, they've got all of the, you know, they, they've got all their different, like, settings put together right. for all their different plans. It's a really their cool idea. It's a cool idea for what the scrolls would actually do. Yeah. yeah. It's not explored nearly to its full extent, but it is, you know. Uh, and so Kitty is off investigating, and she and Wolverine go to try and find medical equipment for Marrow because Gambit blew her the fuck up. Uh-huh. And Kitty is like basically like slips into, you know, like the the behind the scenes area and kind of finds out, you know, what's going on with all these imposter superheroes. And then they f- find her out and she like phases away, you know, through the floor to get away. And she uh, in down in the sewers comes across Thunderbird, Captain Marvel and Adam Warlock who were all uh. dead at the time. And so, and this is Marvel, Captain Marvel. Yeah. And so basically they so all the scrolls like they go through this intense psychological training to not break character and to believe like almost to their full degree that they're actually, you know, this person and and they also are like stuck in that form so that they can just like fully commit to 
you know, this, this training slash infiltration mission. But once their counterparts on earth died, they're like, okay, you got to get out of here. You don't, wow. you don't belong. And, and so you just have no purpose for anything. And you're like an anathema to our simulation. And so they've just been like hiding out and if, like trying to like avoid capture because they'll just be executed. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. I know, right? And then they get like two scenes. <laughs> they don't factor <laughs> into the grand plot hardly at all. Gambit goes to the Shi'ar city to to hijack like their um, healing lab or whatever because they have the super advanced meta, you know, stasis pods or whatever. He throws her in one of those and you know, big fight scene to defend it while it's being attacked. And then it's done and she steps out and she's beautiful. Like all of her, all of her uncontrolled bone growth is like super like here, I'll, I'll, I'll show you a panel here, but it's like, so yeah, you see like all her bone growth, it, oh. like it's all like pixie-ish and like, you know, really controlled and orderly instead of just like, chaotic bone growths coming out of every single part of her body Mm -hmm. and so you know that's a a character development to look at going forward because so much of her self-image is like i'm one of the ugly ones and i have all this rage against the pretty ones etc etc but it's also kind of like that obnoxious you know rom-com like like glow up kind of thing where it's like, Oh, she's turns out she's pretty after all, like, you know, that you have to mess with like, she's all that. Right. Exactly. She just needs to let her hair down and take off her glasses versus like, (laughs) you know, like maybe she can continue to look the way she is, but you know, maybe grow personally or the world can grow around her and start to appreciate her for what she, anyway, it's it's a dumb trope, but you know it's comics. We'll see where they go with this. It's comics. Uh, it's the late nineties, exactly. Yeah. Wolverine has a duel with his scroll self that lasts about two seconds, but it's a, in a dark alley somewhere. And then, <laughs> yeah, real Tom Waits style. That and that. <laughs> so I'm sorry. This it reminds me of. There's a scene in the animated X Men show where Wolverine is in a duel with Mystique and she uh-huh. turns into Wolverine. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but your claws aren't real. <laughs> and he just like <laughs> cuts her claws and she like screams and runs away. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Immediately reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And then Chuck decides to astral project up to Galactus and try and talk him out you know, try and talk him out of eating the planet. You know, they have the back and forth, the standard back and forth. You would do this for these people who hate you, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. You know, Galactus is like, of course, whatever. I don't care. Shut up. You know, I'm beyond this petty morality, blah, 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 blah. But Chuck does try and do a cool thing where he like psychically connects Galactus to like, the fear, like all the fear and good intentions and, and, you know, all of that of the entire scroll, uh, scroll species thinking that that might help. And it does not. So they managed to 
uh, oh, I think with the help of the, um, that's how they, they go into, they factor in the plot. The dead heroes, Thunderbird, Adam Warlock, Captain Marvel, they give Kitty sort of like the knowledge of how to fly a scroll ship. And mm. so they go into a scroll ship, they set a course for Earth, they put on suspended animation, and two panels later, they're on Earth and right before the present day. Oh. <laughs> okay. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, three issues of like, look at all this crazy shit going on and be like, okay, it's done. And so they, they're like, oh, they see Joseph and, and their own like bodies knocked out while Joseph is fighting Magneto. And they're like, should we do something about this? We could save Joseph. And they're like, we can't really change time things. Let's just land. And so they, they start to land and then they're hit by another giant energy thing as they try and land onto Earth and they're knocked away and float aimlessly into outer space. And that's the end of the story arc. Alright. <laughs> yep. So that's uh that's that's that. That is that. Well that was fun. Yeah. I like it had good moments. It had good moments. There were good ideas that you could have done a lot more with. And there were, you know, just, I appreciate that Alan Davis is, it, it is so purely committed to ideas and cool things to look at. And you just have to accept that, you know, none of the X-Men are going to have any character development and that nothing means anything in any sort of long-term plot. <laughs> yeah. Also, I get ads you know, like the some of my my issues when they're scanned, you see the the advertisements within the comic book. Mm-hmm. And so some extremely 1999 ads for this one were uh, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy Megazord, <laughs> a teaser uh. that a teaser that the Spider Man movie was actually going to happen, and just just a confirmation, like hype up that you know they've signed a deal that a Spider Man movie is definitely going to be made. Wow. I know, right? It's like so, there's no there's no like even question in my mind right now that there's going to be another Spider-Man movie. And <laughs> and it was the first of its kind and an incredibly big deal in 1999. Yeah, seriously. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And also the series debut of Family Guy. Interesting. <laughs> right? Wow, that's such a like there's some time capsule shit right here. Seriously, it's like a household staple now. I know. Family guy. There was a time. (laughs) People didn't know who Stewie was. They did not, indeed. Crazy. So, yeah, that's that's my comics for this week. I I might have another short week next week and, and not have a ton to read, but someday we will be on our, our normal non-travel schedule. Theoretically. And I, I will read more than one thing in a week. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being able to read anything at all. <laughs> so next week, I do have Venom, which will be the first, his first story since King and Black. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested, very interested to see where that's going to go. I think I have another Spider-Man Beyond coming up. And sometime in the next couple of weeks, I think 
Reign of X is coming out. Yes. So we'll have another Reign episode. Rain episode. Yes. Yes, indeed. I've got kind of a grab bag for my next week. Magneto Rex, a couple episodes, a couple issues of X-Men Unlimited. And then if I get to it, a mini series for Wolverine and Punisher called Revelation. Hmm. Yeah. I can see those two getting along. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, cool, man. I guess with that, uh, we'll put the outro music here. I respect it. I, you know, it, it's all over the floor, but. <laughs> 52 card pickup is still a card pickup. There we go.